0: You may be seated. Listen, as you are sitting down, do me a favor, grab your phone. I'll tell you why in just a second. Uh, Over sabbatical, which was the last three months, which seems like a long time ago, I would take pictures of significant events, right? I took a lot of pictures of my barbecue. Um, Also took pictures of my family, also took pictures of nature, wherever, you know, God kind of said, hey, don't forget this. And I have a feeling this morning that God's doing some significant things in us, that God's doing some stuff in here, and I want to make sure we don't miss it, okay? So, uh, kind of goofy, but we're going to take, everybody smile. You got your phones out? You feel free to take a picture of me taking a picture of you, okay? Here we go. Smile, wave, anybody? All right, that's good. Wait, here we, we're going. Don't worry, I won't post this on Facebook. We haven't signed waivers. All right, except for our friends online, because I see you up there. Yeah, here we go. One more, and awesome. I see you waving in the back. Now, while your phone's out, there's a little red button on the side. Push it until it just goes boom, and powers down. Sound good? You guys are like, "Oh, you tricked me! You tricked me!" The gospel is not offensive because of who it keeps out but because of who it lets in. The gospel is not offensive because of who it keeps out, but because of who it lets in. We started a sermon series last week called Offensive Christianity. Who's in, who's out? I think we have a slide. Maybe not. Maybe not. Oh, there it is. Okay, sweet. We looked at a few people, uh, the beginning parts of the gospel of Mark, and we asked the question, did Jesus let them in or not? And we did the whole like thumbs up, thumbs down thing. All right, we're going to do that again today. We won't do this every time, but we're going to go more rapid fire, all right? So uh, get ready, thumbs out. You can even do two hands if you want, and you can't look at your neighbors when I ask these questions. You just have to decide really, really quick, okay? Uh, does Jesus let moms in? Ready, set, go. Whoo! okay, back down here. I'm making sure you don't have time to look at your neighbors. Does Jesus let mother-in-laws in? Ooh, mom, I love you. Thank you for watching every Sunday. Does Jesus let people who wear masks in? Whoa, whoa, don't say anything. Does Jesus let people who don't wear masks in? Does Jesus let people who have dirty hands, dirty feet, get like work in the mud? Does he let them in? Let's pray. God, I thank you for the way you're already moving and working in here this morning. I have full confidence that if it hasn't happened yet, you are going to touch somebody. You are going to nudge somebody. You're going to bring peace to somebody. Maybe that's already been a song that we've sung. Maybe it's been a word that's been spoken, a prayer that's been prayed, or maybe just a hug from somebody when they walked in. I pray, Lord, that whoever it is this morning, whether it's one or many, that you want to say, I love you to, may they hear it. And may they welcome it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, for those who missed last week, I'm teaching from a stool simply because I want you to know I'm learning with you. Okay, I'm not the expert. I don't have to stand on the stage and say I've got it all figured out. I'm fine right here. And if you can't see me, just scoot to another seat and uh, then you'll be able to. All right? Grab your Bibles, whether paper copy, whether digital copy, or if you have the Gospel of Mark memorized, go ahead and flip through your little Rolodex of the mind and get there. We're in the Gospel of Mark, first chapter. This past Thursday morning, I got a text from somebody that said, Hey, can you clarify something for me? This last Sunday, you talked about Jesus letting people in. Can you clarify what you mean by in? I would be happy to. Okay? In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist. John had gotten arrested, and Jesus begins his ministry tour. He says this in verse 15. The time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near, he said. Now, in Luke chapter 17, he got asked, when's the kingdom going to come? By the Pharisees. Luke chapter 17, verse 20, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or there it is, for the kingdom of God is already among you. The kingdom of God is already among you, or this could also be translated as it's within you, or it's in your grasp. Bottom line, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is now, I'm here, don't miss it. So when I say, who does Jesus let in, what I'm saying is, who does he invite into his kingdom now? In his time in A.D. 33, and every day, every minute, every hour since. Who does he let in? Who does he see? Who does he touch? Who does he say, I love you to? Who does he say, you're welcome to join me to? Does that make sense? Okay, by in, I am not saying, who gets their card punched for their eternal, forever living with the triune God in the traditional sets of heaven? I am saying, who does Jesus say, come, experience me now to? Oh, that now also includes eternity, but I'm, I'm focusing on the now. Got it? Yes. Makes sense? You can say yes. If it doesn't, grab me afterwards and I'll tell you again. All right. So today, we jump back into the story. All right. Last week, John let in, John, Jesus let in a guy by the name of John, crazy dude in the woods yelling at his people. He let in four fishermen who might not have been picked first at recess, but they were the exact right fits that Jesus needed. And their immediate response may have made their families scratch their head and say, really? But Jesus wanted them to follow him. And Jesus, I said last week, also let in a distraction during church. (sighs) Like a crying baby that's not crying. Pinch her, Aaron. No, just kidding. Just kidding. So Jesus has this distraction in church, and church finishes, and he goes out into the foyer, and he has coffee and cookies, and right? And then he goes to his new friend's house, Peter's house, because back then, believe it or not, the first thing you were supposed to do after church was go and eat with somebody. We still do that. Great, okay? All right, so Mark chapter 1, verse 29, it says, After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went home. To, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Why? For lunch. Somebody say for lunch. for lunch. For lunch, thank you, because that's what you do. You go, you eat meat, you eat potatoes, you eat carrots. That's what I did growing up, okay? I remember my mom would get up early in the morning. On Sunday, she would put the, the, the meat and the, the potatoes and the carrots in, in like this pan, and she'd put it in the oven, and we'd have a little timer, and she'd set the timer. You guys, anybody ever do this before? A couple of you? Okay. Yeah? And then when you got home, the, the house smells just tremendous, and you get to eat right when you get home. Mom, if you're watching, I love that meal. But sometimes I prayed that mom would forget to turn the timer on, simply because I wanted to go to KFC. (laughs) Moment of candidness, all right? Peter, James, and John, and Andrew went to Simon Peter's house, and when they walked in, the house smelled like fresh-cooked. Well, no, it didn't, because we get to verse 30, and it says, Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. Hey, Jesus, we don't have lunch. By the way, my mother-in-law's sick. In those days, the fever was a sickness. It wasn't a symptom of the sickness like we know it to be today. And oftentimes when someone got the fever, it didn't end well. All right? So what did Jesus and his boys do? Uh, They went to KFC because lunch wasn't ready. No? Well, surely Jesus didn't go in the house because... I mean, there's sickness, and he wouldn't have wanted to catch it, right? And then there's rules about, like, a rabbi going into a a woman's room, even with the son-in-law. Remember summer camp? Guys are blue. Girls are red. Don't make purple. (laughs) Don't mix them together. Surely there's some of those. There was rules about rabbis being able to uh, physically touch uh, a female. There was rules about rabbis physically touching somebody who's sick because back then, this is not the case, please, if you're sick, this is not the case. Back then, the sickness equaled sin, so there's rules about that. So surely Jesus and his guys didn't go in the house because Chick-fil-A was open on Saturdays, even back then. So they went there, yes? No, of course not. They told Jesus about the mother-in-law who had a high fever. Jesus went to her bedside took her by the hand and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. Do you think Jesus used hand sanitizer before he grabbed her hand? Not not a trick question. Do you think Jesus hesitated because he didn't want to catch it? Okay, another moment of transparent honesty. If you have a cold, don't come and shake my hand. Okay, I've got some germophobic tendencies. I'm not Jesus. Jesus didn't hesitate. Verse 31, so he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, helped her sit up. The fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. Was Jesus just thinking with his stomach? Did he just want food, and he knew that she was Because those four fishermen couldn't fish. I mean, they couldn't cook. Was Jesus just thinking about that? Maybe Jesus likes mother-in-laws. You can laugh at that. That was supposed to be funny. I love my mother-in-law. Maybe Jesus just likes mother-in-laws. Is that oversimplifying the text? Maybe. But maybe Jesus loves mother-in-laws enough to say, hey, I want you to experience the kingdom now. And right now, that means me healing you. As I read this text, I have to wonder, were these some of Jesus' favorite miracles? Right? The ones that were behind closed doors. The one where he could look at Peter and say, I know how important she is to you, so I'm going to cure The one who means so much to you because you mean so much to me. No crowds to say, oh my goodness, look at what he did. It's just that intimate moment. I wonder if Jesus liked those the most. All right, so uh, any mother-in-laws in in a house? Just go ahead and raise your hands. Jesus loves you. You Get nothing else out of that text? That's what you can have. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 32. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. We are looking at who Jesus invites into the kingdom now, and we're seeing that he invites quite a few people. There was a healing in the church building. There was a healing in the closed room. Of, of Peter's mother-in-law with Peter and James and John and Jesus. And, and now the sun goes down, and Sabbath ends, and the entire town comes out. It was practiced back then when Sabbath ended to open up the front door of the house. So Peter probably went not open the front door, and the whole town was there, like ready. And what happens? Jesus goes to work. Sick are healed, demons are cast out, the freedom's being unleashed, and it doesn't seem like Jesus is drawing too many lines in the sand, does it? I don't see him say, "Um, I did not see you in the building this morning, so you got to go to the end of the line. I don't see him saying, oh, that's a nasty cold. What did you do? Like, you're not living right, are you? You go to the end of the line too. I don't see any of that. I see him touching people, healing people, saying welcome to the kingdom now because when we live with Jesus now, there's healing and there's freedom. You can say amen to that. Okay? When we live with Jesus now, there is healing and there is freedom. It's crazy because I'm looking at Jesus doing that. This is at the end of a Sabbath. He had been preaching really good. I don't know how many services that mega synagogue had that day. But he's out there doing the work. And I thought to myself a little projection going on. Does that guy not get tired? Like does he not get worn down from speaking in front of people? I mean Sunday night football's on. Does he not want to watch? He's inviting everybody in. And I say to him, good job, Jesus. Like, let them in. People need to experience your kingdom now. Let's keep going. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. Now, when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Who did Jesus let in in that small passage? A lot of people. But who do we miss? He let in his Father. He let in his Father. Now, Yes, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it's one, it's triune, it's, it's great. We don't understand it. Uh, Man, we know that Jesus had this constant connection with his father, but he specifically took time to go away and say, Father, I want to let you in. We're doing some good ministry right now, but I need you more than I need the praises of men. So Jesus lets his father in. Jesus' half-brother James would later write, when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. That's what Jesus was doing. That verse is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture because I'm an introvert who likes to go in the woods. But it also reminds me that no matter what, I need to be connected with the Father. I need to let the Father in because if Jesus needs that, oh, how much more do I need it? All right, so Jesus spends his time in the woods. His, his disciples, the four homies come and get him. They say, we need to keep going. We need to, they're looking for you. And Jesus says, yeah, let's keep going. Let's, let's go preach, let's go teach to other places. More than likely, he's healing in towns and villages and the streets, and he's also healing and touching people in churches. Verse 39, it says he was, went throughout the region, preaching in the synagogues. Please don't ever get the picture from me that Jesus doesn't like church folk. I know a lot of times I'll push for you to get outside the walls and to interact with your friends that don't know Jesus, but Jesus loves church people too. Wow, okay, do me a favor, close your eyes. Think of one or two church people who Jesus loves. Okay, if you can't think of any, just open your eyes, look around. Okay? Now, oh, terrible moment here in church for a second for all you introverts. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Okay, now turn to somebody else and say, Jesus invites you into his kingdom. Jesus invites you into his kingdom now. Oh, all you introverts are saying, can we leave now? (laughs) No. All you extroverts are like, can we do that again? No. Did you miss the part about me being an introvert? Let's keep going because this is fun. All right, I told you last week, we're just going to walk through the gospel and see what happens. Different than a normal sermon, uh, but that's what we're doing. All right, verse 40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Oh, any of you read uh, Matthew McConaughey's uh, autobiography, Green Light? Doesn't, doesn't he always say like, all right, all right, all right? Isn't that Matthew McConaughey line? Yeah, I want to say that. All right, all right, all right. Um, it's okay for Jesus to heal Peter's mother-in-law because Jesus loved Peter and Peter loved his mother-in-law. But this leper, like this crosses a line. It's going a bit too far. Because I don't know if you noticed, it did not say he was wearing a mask. Or it did not say he wasn't. Now for those of you who don't know, and for those who do enjoy the review, leprosy back then was bad. Like, really bad. One commentator writes that in the New Testament, there is no disease regarded with more terror and pity than the disease of leprosy. The historian Josephus, who I mentioned last year, uh, governor of Galilee in AD 60, says that socially, a leper was the equivalent of a corpse— Getting a picture? Leprosy was the COVID of Jesus' time. Extremely contagious, feared by all. Don't take that analogy any further than that, okay? It's not a political statement. Today we call leprosy Hansen's disease. And we know more how to treat it. We know what kind of what causes it and and how to help heal it. Um, The times of scripture where leprosy is mentioned, it's not always Hansen's disease. Oftentimes it was a different type of skin disease, but it was always called leprosy and it was always feared. We don't know what type of leprosy this man in verse 40 had, but we do know how the people around Jesus would have viewed him. We do know what they would have thought of him. Back then... Leprosy was a direct punishment for sin from God. If you got it, you did something wrong, and your neighbors knew it. All right, think back to Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam. When they started grumbling and complaining about Moses' leadership and the fact that he married somebody that they didn't agree with, uh, they grumbled. And what happened? God didn't like it. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 9, you can just listen. The Lord was very angry with the two of them, and he departed. And as the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from, say it with me, leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, My master, please don't punish us for this sin that we have so foolishly committed. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby already decayed at birth. Leprosy meant someone had sinned. Remember the story of Elijah? Okay, he uh, was sent uh, Naaman who had leprosy. uh, He went and visited Elijah and or Elijah went and visited him. I actually never even saw him, but he he healed Naaman and then Naaman wanted to give him some gifts to say thank you and Elijah says, no, I don't want those. So he takes his his, uh, co-worker, his servant uh, Gehazi with him and they leave and Gehazi's like, man, those gifts were sweet. I want those. So without the prophet knowing it, he went back and got those. The problem is, prophets find things out. All right? And when Elijah found out what Gehazi had did, he said this to Gehazi, "Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever." When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was as white as snow. You get the point, don't you? Back then, if someone had leprosy, They were sinners. Dirty, rotten, good for nothing, don't go hang around them sinners. In fact, if you know the story of scripture, you know that the lepers had to live outside of camp. Like a long way outside of camp, and if they got near anybody, like in the normal community, they had to yell what? Unclean, unclean. Unclean. I got shingles in 2008, and the board of directors asked me to yell unclean as I walked through the church. I'm just kidding. They didn't ask me that. Although the board. There like, was I on the board in two thousand eight. Did I really ask him that? They had to live outside the camp and yell that. Leviticus chapter thirteen verse forty five. God says to Moses to tell the people: those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. That's not bad enough. They must cover their mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as a serious disease lasts, they will be, un- they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. You're getting the, the picture, right? Leprosy equaled somebody sinned. If someone st- sinned in that day and age, you stayed away from them. Now, this was still the case in Jesus's day, still the understanding of leprosy. In fact, Luke chapter 17, Jesus was on the border of Samaria and Galilee, and he runs into some lepers. The story in 17 verse 12 says, as he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. These guys stood at a distance and cried out. Why did they stand at a distance? Because they knew the rules, right? They followed the rules. The leper in our story did not follow the rules. Verse 40 this leper, this man with leprosy, came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. In front of, that is not keeping social distancing rules, that is less than six feet. And if you do some deeper study, you'll know the lepers were told to stay 12 cubics, which is 16 feet away. And this leper did not do that. Surely Jesus did not let in the rule breaker, did he? Of course you guys, yeah. Verse 41. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Oh, Jesus just didn't stand at a six foot distance and you're done. He reached out and touched the guy. Who knows how long it had been since that man felt the warmth of human touch. Jesus says, you know what? You're in. I'm willing. Let me see you. Let me know your pain. Let me feel what you have gone through. Was Jesus not concerned about contracting leprosy? Was he not concerned about getting sick? Was he not concerned about getting ceremonially unclean himself and having to live outside the camp? Jesus should have kept this man at a 16-foot arm's length, but Jesus didn't. He says, you're in. Welcome to the experience of the kingdom now. Welcome to healing, to human touch, to eye contact, to engagement. You are seen. You are in. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and he touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. And I love what Jesus did next. Because Jesus knows that man would not be welcomed back into the community. He would not be welcomed back into his family home. He would not be welcomed back in unless he followed the rules that were set about. And Jesus already knew that he wasn't really a good rule follower. So he said to him, In verse 43, Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest, let him examine you, take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed and you will be welcomed back in. Jesus was caring more than just the physical ailment. He was caring for the man's soul. Now, did the guy ever go get the offering required? We don't know. Did he ever go and get the papal blessing? We don't know. Did he ever go and get his vaccination card stamped so that his parents would let him back in the house? We don't know. But what we do know is this guy kept breaking the rules. And this time, his direct disobedience drastically affected Jesus' ability to do ministry. Verse 45 The man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he could not publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Do you see the irony in that passage? This man had been stuck on the outside. Jesus heals him and welcomes him back in, and this man's actions... Pushes Jesus to the outside. What a flip. Was this guy just some disobedient, rule breaking, rabbi ignoring dude that couldn't follow directions? Or was he the first missionary in the Gospel of Mark who went and told everybody what Jesus had done for him? In the book Silence, which was made into a major motion picture, uh, it's about missionaries in Japan in the 17th century. There's a character who keeps coming to the priests and asking for forgiveness. He keeps doing wrong and he keeps coming back. Over and over and over again this happens and the priests keep offering forgiveness to him. They keep offering absolution to him and this guy will go back out and he'll do something wrong again and sometimes it even drastically affected the priest's ability to minister. They experienced ramifications of this guy's sins and yet when he would come back to the priest's the priests would forgive him. This guy was a repeat offender. This guy in our story is a repeat offender, at least from what we see. And you know what Jesus does for him? He says, come in. Come in. I want you to experience life with me. You guys know any repeat offenders? Do you know any repeat offenders who Jesus keeps touching? Who Jesus keeps being willing to engage in? Who Jesus keeps loving? Get a mental picture of that person. Okay? Mental picture. Last week I would have told you to text me. I'm not going to have you text me today. Okay? But I will tell you who I'm thinking of. A person who keeps breaking rules. Who keeps falling short of God's heart. A person who keeps being loved by God. And welcomed by God over and over and over. That person is me. That person is me. The gospel is not offensive because of who it keeps out. But because of who Jesus lets in. Even me. Even you. Unless you've just nailed that go and sin no more part. Um you can, come and talk to me after because I'm going to have you preach next week. I asked you at the beginning of the service if Jesus liked mothers and mothers-in-laws and you said yes. I asked you if Jesus likes people who wear masks, don't wear masks. You said yes. I asked you if Jesus liked muddy people, dirty people. You said yes. Last week I pushed through, this week I'm going to say let's stop here. We'll talk about muddy people next week. All right, we'll talk about people who get their hands dirty next week. This week, here's what I want you to do. The exact same thing I asked you to do last week. I want you to look through your daily life for the people that Jesus would have welcomed into his story now. Okay? The ones you love, whether it's mother-in-laws, whether it's mothers, whether it's family, whether it's friends. Look for time for the Father to let him in. Look for those that are physically sick that maybe you're a little hesitant to go next to because you don't want to catch it. Look for that disobedient, repeat offender who we may see as extremely unclean, and yet Jesus says, come on, let's have, some, let's have some lunch together. Why don't you follow me? He reaches out and touches that person anyways. Who would Jesus let in? That's what I want you to look for this week. Recognize when you see that person, they are dearly loved. They are pursued by Christ. Christ. And they are who Christ wants to spend eternity with now and into eternity. When you see that person, when you realize, this is who James was talking about, Jesus would have seen, do me a favor. Call or text somebody and tell them who you saw. Our goal is to learn to look with Jesus' eyes, to love with Jesus' heart, to touch with Jesus' hands. We're walking our way through the gospel of Mark, looking through who Jesus lets in. Lord, help us. Let us let the same ones in. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. <coughs> Father, I'll be the first to confess that I am a repeat offender. I've been following you for oh, close to 40 years. And I don't know if there's been a single day that has gone by where I haven't had to stop and say, Oh, Lord, forgive me. In fact, I'm confident there hasn't been a single day where I haven't needed to say that. Whether or not I've remembered, that's a different story. Jesus, I thank you that we are getting to experience a little bit you, your view of people, your pursuit of people, your welcoming of people, your invitation of people into your kingdom now. We realize, Jesus, throughout the story that you say, come and follow me, and we realize that has ramifications for how we live our daily lives, but Lord, help us never put up barriers between you and somebody else because we don't think they deserve to be with you. God, help us see with your eyes this week and help us if you want to, if you want us to invite people in bare minimum, help us pray for people and help us notice that they're there. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen.